Good morning. If you're here for the first time or you're visiting, my name is Eugene. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I uh, want to highlight that my parents are here too. My mom and dad are sitting right over there next to my wife. So if you get a chance to say hi to them, tell them how much you love your pastor. Okay? Tell them that he's a good guy. Uh, And today we come to the end of a five-week message series that we've done on the Song of Songs. And so hopefully as a result of this series, we will see more moms at our church as well. As you fall in love. Married moms. Married moms, okay? (laughs) So we've talked a lot about sex and love and romance and all of that. Uh, But before I get into my message, I want to show a a quick uh, video clip from a movie that came out a couple years ago called Crazy Stupid Love. Uh, You may or may not have seen it. Uh, It was starring... uh, Steve Carell of Office Fame, Julianne Moore, Ryan Gosling, and Emma Stone. And uh, it's a movie about, um, it's got a lot of subplots happening, but the main uh, storyline is about a middle-aged couple, Steve Carell and his wife, uh, Julianne Moore, who uh, have lost that love and feeling. And uh, over dinner one night, uh, she says to her husband, after about 25 years of marriage, I want a divorce. And he is devastated. He is heartbroken. He is shocked and surprised. And so I'm going to show you the clip of where uh, his co-workers at his office find out what's going on in his life. So uh, watch this with me. Hey, Cal. Hey. Hey. Oh, I just, uh, I got the uh, report on the end-of-year financials. Good. Okay. Good, good. Really great. You killed this uh, quarter. Okay. Cal, seriously. All right. Okay. Seriously. Who told you? That Emily and I are getting divorced. You're getting a divorce? Yeah. <laughs> Amy heard you crying in the bathroom. We all thought it was cancer. Oh. Thank God, man. <laughs> yeah, just my relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Oh. oh. Divorce. <laughs> I'm so lucky. You are. I have to go pick out furniture now. Okay, okay. You go for it. It could have been cancer, buddy. Everyone, it's just a divorce. Thanks. Feels good. Hey, everyone, it's just a divorce. Now, that's a funny scene, uh, but in a lot of ways, it's very sobering uh, how our culture tends to look at marriage. Uh, I don't think people are, in my opinion these days, uh, as afraid of marrying the wrong person because even if you marry the right person, and something goes wrong in a few years or in a couple decades, you can always get a divorce. It's just a divorce, right? And uh, you can hit the reset and start over and find new love and new romance. Um, And I think that uh, statistically, what that means is probably half of the people in this room will experience divorce in a very real way in their lives. Uh, Either maybe already through uh, your own family or maybe in your own life. Uh, Maybe you will come across the tragedy and the brokenness of uh, divorce. And uh, God forbid, and, and I pray for you, and that's why we're doing part of this series, um, but uh, it's a reality that we face in our lives. And um, I would like to ask you this question this morning. How would you define true love? If you fall in love with someone and it's really love, if it's really love, then can you fall out of love? Or was it not true love to begin with? How can we fall in love with somebody and continue to care for that love and fan the flame of that love, not for years, but for decades? 
till death do us part. That's what I want us to think about today as we close out this series, because at the very end of the song, Miss Solomon defines love in her own words. How would you define it? Love is commitment. You know, love is romance. Love is passion. Well, I want us to look at the word, the scriptures, and see how Miss Solomon describes love for us, and then we'll kind of pick it apart. It begins here in chapter 8, verse 6. She says to her lover, King Solomon, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. This is the word of God. Can we pray once more? Father, help us as we close out this series through this amazing book, The Song of Songs. Uh, Lord, as, as hard and difficult as it may be for us to understand everything written and contained within it, Lord, now as we've gathered in your presence, may your spirit illuminate our minds so that these words could be spoken directly to us, that they would plant seeds in our lives that would grow up into an amazing flame of love that gives you glory and that loves others. So, Lord God, would you be uh, blessed now as we receive your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. As some people read this part of the Song of Songs, uh, they, they interpret it as sort of being the, the, the golden years uh, of Solomon's marriage, uh, as he and his wife are now reflecting back on the journey that they've taken. Now, now the journey we've taken over the last four weeks is this. We looked at them as they fell in love. We, we watched Miss Solomon fall in love with Solomon's character, Uh, She said, uh, your name is like sweet perfume. It's like this incense, this smell, which is highly uh, to be praised. Uh, We we watched them as they uh, worked through courtship and they dealt with different struggles and how they persisted through that season of their lives. We watched them on their wedding day and we read about their consummation and that was a lot of fun. Remember that sermon? It was an hour long. Remember that sermon? Of course you do. And then last week we looked at uh, the reality of marriage and how there are challenges and difficulties and how selfishness tends to creep in and uh, destroy the intimacy that belongs between husband and wife. And today now, it, it seems that we've come to a place where Mrs. Solomon is able to reflect on the true nature of love. And, and I hope this sermon really uh, resonates with you because my desire, my hope is for all of you to find this kind of love. Not the kind that the world says, well, you know, you can love today, but you don't have to love tomorrow. But the kind of love that is unchanging, that is permanent, that is true. When I was many of your ages, my friends and I would oftentimes talk about girl problems. Uh, we would talk about girls that were, you know, hard to get or girls that were disappointing us or giving us the cold shoulder or breaking up with us. And we would have to sort of man up and, and support one another. But now at my age and my season, as I'm approaching my late, my late 30s, my friends and I were talking about marital struggles and problems. Uh, some of my friends are separated or going through a divorce. And so this is a very real reality. And these are brothers of mine, sisters of mine, that love the Lord, that have gone to church with me uh, for many years, that uh, have grown up in the faith and yet are struggling and have become a statistic. And so my my, my prayer for all of you is that uh, the Holy Spirit would really capture your attention over the next few minutes as we reflect on this closing chapter of the Song of Songs. 
And this is how Mrs. Solomon defines it. She says, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. A seal in that time was oftentimes uh, uh, sort of a, uh, uh, something that you would wear on your finger, like a signet ring, or it could be like a little piece of a, a rock with a, a carved out symbol on it that was kind of like your signature. You would press it into soft clay or into warm wax, and it would sort of seal the deal on something. It's kind of like signing off on it. And what she's literally saying is, uh, she's saying, I want you to put your, I want to, I want Place me like a seal on your heart, like on your arm. She's basically saying, I want you to belong to me. Because a seal, when you pressed it into something, it denoted, uh, connoted ownership. And so she's saying, I want to belong to you, and I want you to belong to me and to no other. It was a seal. It was a commitment. It was a covenant. We do the same thing today when we get married. We put on rings, right? I'm wearing a ring right now. And we always say that this ring is in the shape of a circle without any beginning or with any end. And may this be the symbol of your love together without any beginning and without any end. And every time you see somebody wearing this ring on this finger, it denotes ownership. They belong to someone else. Therefore, they cannot belong to you. And that's what she's saying. I want us to be exclusively in ownership to each other. No one else. Then she goes on to say, For love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. Now, that sounds a little weird to us. Why would she compare love to death? It's as strong as death. Well, this is her way of saying, um, My love for you is permanent and irreversible. Because death is also permanent and irreversible. When you die, you die. There's no coming back. There's no changing that. It's inevitable for all of us. And she is saying, my love is like that. It is permanent. It is irreversible. And there's nothing you can do about it. I will love you to the grave. And then she uses that word jealousy, which in our culture comes with all kinds of baggage. Right? We think of jealousy and we think of negative connotations. We think of that jealous boyfriend who's always overreacting when his girlfriend just talks to another guy. Or we think of that jealous girlfriend who always has a meltdown every time her boyfriend doesn't pick up the phone or text her right back, right? You know who I'm talking about. Some of you know, right? You've told me about your problems, right? Well, that, that's not the kind of jealousy that's being used here in the scriptures because in the Bible, there are actually two contexts where jealousy is positive and natural. It's our relationship, first of all, with God. God calls himself a jealous God. In the Ten Commandments, the first commandment, he says, Thou shall have no other gods before me. And what God is saying is, I love you so much and you are my creation that you belong to me. And therefore, if you worship another god, I will burn with anger and jealousy. And the other place in the Bible where it's talked about in a positive way is in the context of marriage between a husband and a wife. That those relationships, those two relationships are absolutely exclusive. You can only have one God and you can only have one spouse. Now, it would be unhealthy if I saw a man approach my wife and put a move on her and I just said, oh, no big deal, right? You would look at me and say, first of all, you'd say, what's wrong with you? You know, do you, are you not a man? And secondly, you would say, do you not love your wife? If I saw a man putting the moves on my wife, I would go over there and I would put a move on the man. I would break him down. <laughs> I would break his arms and his legs. And then when he woke up from the coma, I'd break his neck. I mean, I, I would just, it would be unending to the grave. I would send him to the grave. 
And that is the kind of love she's saying here. She's saying, my love is jealous for you. My love is like death. It's permanent. It's irreversible. And I don't want anyone else to share in this love that we have together. It is only between you and me. Don't you love the way she describes love, how she defines it? This is so poetic. It's a poem. Remember, it's a song. And then she writes, It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Man, this is why it's called the Song of Songs. It's like the all-time hits of Solomon and his wife's love poetry. And she says it burns like a blazing fire. Uh, Literally in Hebrew, it says it flames like a flaming flame, right? There's this triple use of the word, and it's really connoting this bright, burning fire like a mighty flame. Uh, And again, to use the metaphor, it's it's got energy. Our love is energy. Our, Our love is hot. Uh, but also, you have to handle our love with care. What happens if you play with matches and you're careless? You burn down your house. You burn your hands, right? You can stink up the place with smoke. And in the same way, she's saying our, our love is like a fire. It's got energy. Uh, it's like a bright light. It's got heat. But you must handle it with care. And, and I love just the image of the flame and the fire of their love because... Ultimately, what God has done for us is he's given us the capacity to love him. In other words, God has lit the pilot light in our hearts to love him, to burn brightly for him, but also to extend that love out to others. Now, she's defining love and using a lot of different descriptions for love, but in our English language, we get a lot of mileage out of that single word love, don't we? Right? In the same breath, I can say, I love my wife and I love Cheesecake Factory. Right? And this, I, I love these pants, and I love the weather outside, and I love my mom and dad. We use that same word for totally different subjects, and it gets a lot of use, and therefore, a lot of us, we don't even really believe in love anymore. What is love, uh, you know, anymore? Like, I'm so disappointed by it. You know, I, I'd rather love my dog that'll always love me back. But in the Hebrew, particularly in the Song of Songs, Solomon and his wife use three different Hebrew words to describe love. The first word he uses is the word dode. Can we all say that together? Dode? Dode. Okay, let's say it with some passion. All right, one, two, three. Dode, all right? Dode was the Hebrew word that literally meant passion. It could be also compared to the Greek word eros, which we get the word erotic from, right? It could be romance. It could be intimacy. Solomon uses, uh, Solomon's wife uses this word when she says in chapter one, may he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your dode is as sweet as wine. That's what Solomon says, that Solomon's wife says, that your, your dode, your love is as sweet as wine. She is absolutely smitten for him. She's head over heels, and she wants to kiss him deeply in the mouth. It's this passionate, erotic love. And this word uh, occurs about 13 times in the Song of Songs. Then there's another word that Solomon and, and his wife use. It's the word raya. Can we say that one? Raya. Okay, there's no passion there. Come on. One, two, three. Raya. Okay, there we go. Raya was the word that Solomon would use, and it sort of was defined as like friendship or companion or like soulmate, right? We saw this in chapter 4 when Solomon looks at his bride on the wedding day, and she said, he said, How beautiful you are, Raya. There are no flaws in you. You are flawless, right? 
And so if you are sitting across a table with your significant other and you feel a deep soul connection and they are beautiful and they're flawless to you, just say, you are my raya. Okay, remember that word. It'll work. Trust me, it'll work. Me and my wife, we were raya for 10 months. And then we experienced deep dode after our wedding day. But then there's a third word that uh, happens in the Song of Songs, and it's the word ahava. It's a little trickier. Can we say that together? Ahava. Uh, come on. Guys, don't you know I'm going to make you repeat it if you don't say it right? One, two, three. Ahava. All right? And the way I remember this word when I was taking Hebrew in seminary, I used to say, I have a love for you. That's how I remember this word. I have a love for you. That's how I, that's, I was the king of mnemonic devices, and that's how I memorized my words. But ahava was a, a, a love of the will. It was a decision. It was a commitment. It was a, it was a binding kind of love. Like, I'm going to love you and not stop. Uh, this, word, this word is also compared with another word in Hebrew called hesed, which is a word that we use for God's divine agape love for us. It's an unchanging, constant love. And she uses the word ahava in chapter 8, verse 7. Many waters cannot quench ahava. Rivers cannot wash it away. You see the contrast there? She's talking about my love is a flame, and then she says waters cannot quench my ahava. Because how else do you put out a fire? You douse it with water. If this building were burning down, the fire trucks would come and they would douse it with water. But she says her love cannot be extinguished with the waters of a mighty river. Wow. Talk about love. Talk about passion and romance and commitment. She's saying my ahava cannot be quenched by a mighty river. Don't you want to find that kind of love? Isn't that the kind of love you want to experience with your soulmate, with your spouse, till death do you part? I hope it is. And I hope this is the picture that is now being etched into your mind, the hope that God gives through his word to say, this is attainable because I have ignited this flame in your hearts to be cherished and experienced with one another. And if you take these three loves together, you can have a vital, healthy, amazing marriage. Because what good would a marriage be without any dode, right? Without any sex, without any passion. It'd be pretty boring, wouldn't it? And what would a marriage be without any raya? You know, you don't have anything in common and you don't like being together. There's no friendship. There's no companionship. It was great when we were not married and we were just having a lot of physical interactions. But now that we're married, we realize we don't really like each other anymore and the sex is not great and so... You know, something happens there. And then, what would a marriage be like without the ahava, the commitment to say, hey, you are my soulmate. But you put those loves together and imagine how bright that flame can burn. The, the waters of a great river would not be able to extinguish that love. In other words, if you fell into this kind of love, you can't fall out of it. It's impossible. It's irreversible. It's permanent. It's in, inextinguishable, Right? You, you, and extinguish. You cannot put it out. It is powerful. It must be handled with care. And then, Miss Solomon says at the very end of verse 7, if one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. In other words, we translate it, money can't buy you love. Right? Love is priceless. Love is invaluable. 
She's saying, if you had, and she's speaking to who? The king, right? The king named Solomon, who built an amazing temple, right? And an amazing palace, that is. And he adorned it with ruby and sapphire, with cedars from Lebanon. He had a golden chariot that he was married on. Right? Talk about a wealthy man. Talk about a man who had everything. She's saying, you can't buy this kind of love with all the money you have. That's how great and expensive and expansive my love is for you. You guys, you think that if you have a well-paying job, you can marry anyone. Well, you're wrong. Yeah, you can marry anyone, but you won't have love. Because true love cannot be bought. Women, if a man showers you with gifts and he spends a lot of money on you, that's not love either. That's just, I want to get close to you. I want to experience some dode with you. I want to be more than a raya, right? That's what it's talking about. So if a man comes to you and he's taking you out to fancy dinners and buying you nice, expensive clothes, don't be fooled. That's not love. Look deeper within. Is there any ahava? That's what you want to find. We learned three Hebrew words today. Amen. I I should give you guys an MDiv right now. It's not that easy. Um, Well, those are the loves that we find here described here at the very end of the Song of Songs. And I want to uh, kind of close with, with a, a, a clip. And uh, it's a poor quality clip. It's the best I could find. But uh, it was part of a resignation speech that uh, a man by the name of Dr. Robertson McQuilkin gave at the school where he was the president as he was resigning. Uh, he was in his 60s, and he'd been married to his wife Muriel for about 40 years. And she was battling Alzheimer's disease. And she was beginning to uh, lose her, her, her faculties and uh, she needed someone to give more than just part-time care. Uh, it was said that when her husband wasn't home, she would be overcome with panic and anxiety, and she would go out looking for him, not knowing where to find him. Sometimes they would find her on a, on a, on a, on a country road uh, without wearing any shoes. She forgot to put on her shoes, and they would bring her into the car, and her feet would be dripping with blood because she'd been walking around all over the place looking for her husband. She has no mem- short-term or long-term memory. It's it, it was, uh, she was becoming very debilitated very fast. And so rather than putting her into full-time care or some hospice or some uh, sort of a, a resident nurse, Dr. Robertson McQuilkin, who was in the prime of his leadership uh, tenure at, at Columbia International University, made the countercultural decision to resign. Most people, they would just keep working until they retired. They'd, they'd earn money and get the best medical care for their loved one. But he said, you know what? Uh, I know I have a lot of good years left to lead and to serve and, to, and to, 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 to see my vocation, my career through. But I'm going to resign from this full-time job to take on another full-time job to care for my wife. And he said, she has blessed me and served me for the last 40 years. Even if I serve her for the next 40, he said he'll still be in debt. And so listen to this uh, clip. And again, it's a little grainy, but you'll hear it and it'll be, uh, you'll see the close. I haven't in my life experienced easy decision-making on major decisions, but uh, one of the simplest and clearest decisions I've had to make is this one, because circumstances dictated it. Uh, Muriel, now, uh, in the last couple of months, seems to be almost happy when with me, and almost never happy when not with me. In fact, she seems to feel trapped, becomes very fearful, 
sometimes almost terror. And when she can't get to me, there can be anger. She's in distress. But when I'm with her, she's happy and contented. And so I must be with her at all times. And you see, it's not only that I promised in sickness and in health, till death do us part. And I'm a man of my word. But as I have said, I don't know with this group, but I've said publicly, it's the only fair thing she sacrificed for me for 40 years to make my life possible. So, if I cared for her for 40 years, I'd still be in debt. However, there's much more. It's not that I have to, it's that I get to. I love her very dearly, and you can tell it's not easy to talk about. She's a delight. It's a great honor to care for such a wonderful person. This is a model of that song of songs love. That flame of Dod and Raya and Ahava all burning together passionately, brightly, eternally, permanently. And this is the model, the biblical love that God has given to us that we must strive for because we are only able to love because he first loved us. It's not like we invented it or we patented it or we found it one day because we fell in love with something. Our capacity to love was given to us by our creator because he loved us first. And so as we love those whom God has given us to be our soulmates, to be our spouses, may our love with our husbands and wives be a reflection of that divine love that God has given to us. And may we settle for nothing less than that. Nothing less. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that uh, in the Song of Songs, you give us a beautiful, amazing model of what it means to fall in love, to be in love, to protect that love, to serve that love, to give to that love, to satisfy that love. God, we admit that love is a complicated thing. And we are oftentimes confused. Uh, We are oftentimes blinded by it. Sometimes we are struck by it. We are sick because of it. Uh, But Lord God, we ask that you would give us guidance, that you would bring us healing, and that ultimately you would be the one that gives us a hope for a one true love that we will find on this side of eternity. For those of us that are loved and are in these marriages today, Lord God, I pray for a strengthening. I pray for a protection. I pray for the husbands and wives here that may be struggling or battling through some challenges, Lord God, that they would commit further and deeper, be more and more patient, be more and more selfless, be more and more of a servant lover, a servant giver to their spouse. Father, would you, would you raise up an eternal love in them? And Father, for the rest of the church that is single and, and yet to find that soulmate, that raya, that partner, Lord God, would you give them eyes to see what you want them to see? And would they not be merely attracted to the physical or the external? But may they, Lord, be drawn to character, to righteousness, to passion and purity. Lord God, a holiness that gives you glory, that gives you praise. 
And God, Lord, for those of us who have strayed in our uh, pursuit of love or in, even in our relationships, God, those who have, of us who have slipped into sin or habits that are not pure or unhealthy, God, would you deliver us from those depths as well, Lord? Would you renew us? Would you heal us? Would you forgive us? Would you make us whole again? Restore not only the joy of our salvation, but even our virginity before your eyes. Lord, that we may still be recipients of your divine love, but also distributors of it to those you have called us to love and serve in our marriages. And so, Lord God, we lay all this down before you. We could go on and on, and this series really wouldn't end if we had to cover every corner of it. But we do thank you, Lord, that we can turn back to your word every day, every morning, and receive new insight from this amazing poem called The Song of Songs. And Lord, as you continue to be our teacher and our Lord and our guide, may our love look more like the love that you want us to have, that you have given us first. So we give you praise for that. We give you honor and we trust in you and we depend on you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.